Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. For today's podcast, we are going to be interviewing some of our teachers. But before that, let's hear some current news. Take it away, Jose. Welcome to today's weekly news update. Today, we will be covering a live update of the Ukraine and Russian conflict, Joe Biden's new Supreme Court nominee, and Greg Abbott's investigation on transgender children. First, yesterday, Russia began an invasion of Ukraine. Explosions were heard across Ukraine, including the capital, Kiev. As of now, millions of women and children are evacuating, and men ages 18 to 60 are forced to stay and defend the country. Over 130 Ukrainian civilians and soldiers have been reported dead, while it's not clear how many Russian soldiers have died. Some estimate somewhere around 1,000 casualties. Although NATO cannot help as much, they have hit Russia with severe sanctions. Let's hope nothing but the best for the Ukrainian citizens. Second, President Joe Biden will nominate Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court to replace retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen, Stephen Breyer. If confirmed, Ju- Judge Jackson will be the first black woman to ever sit on the Supreme Court. Last, Greg Abbott is calling on licensed professionals and members of the general public to report the parents of transgender minors to state authorities if it appears the minors are receiving gender-affirming medical care. Abbott says that surgery is child abuse under state law and what that the Protective Service Agency is responsible for protecting children from abuse. Now, we will be transitioning to the middle segment where we will be interviewing teachers from our school. Now I pass it on to Samantha with the first question. We're lucky to have teachers answering questions today. Please introduce yourselves. I am Ms. Gonzalez, I teach high school math. Hello, I'm Ms. Munford and I teach high school Spanish. Hi everyone, you know who I am, I'm Ms. DuPont and I teach AP government, government and economics. All right, Sam, why don't you start with our first question? Um, okay, so our first question is, why did you want to become a teacher? Why did I want to become a teacher? Well, I saw at a very young age that I was actually very good at explaining the specific steps in my math class. When I was in high school, I did not have a very consistent teacher. I had a new teacher every month. And so it kind of fell upon the quote unquote intelligent kids or the smart kids that picked up on the things very, very quickly to help my other classmates. And so I saw that, hey, I am kind of good at this. And I've always kind of been very good with numbers. So. I knew at a very young age that I wanted to help or be a teacher in math. Well, I held a lot of jobs prior to becoming a teacher. Um, I worked in marketing, I worked in retail, I worked in fitness, um, and didn't really know what I wanted to do graduating from school. I thought I wanted um, to be a social media marketing specialist. I have a minor in marketing um, and a degree in Spanish. Um, because I just wanted to study abroad. So I got a degree in Spanish because they forced me to study abroad. Um, And so it wasn't until a year ago, actually like this time a year ago, that I applied for my job as a teacher um, and became a teacher because I was in a career path that didn't feel fulfilling. I was just working retail and I wanted to feel like I was making a difference and I didn't think I was making a difference by folding clothes all day long. Um, And so I became a teacher so that I could, one, use the degree that I worked really hard for and to hopefully impact people's lives and helping them make 
choices that would ultimately impact their future. I wanted to become a teacher, um, two reasons. When I was in high school, I always thought I would be a veterinarian. And then I accidentally cut my dog's ear when I was cutting her hair. And I blacked out from seeing blood and quickly realized that that was not a profession that I could do. So I, in my junior year of high school, I felt very lost because I had been planning to be a veterinarian. Like I had visited A&M, I had talked to veterinarians, I had been working with the veterinarian that takes care of our pets. And um, I was like, I was kind of upset because it was like, that was my whole dream down the drain. And I was talking to my AP US history teacher um, and she was like, have you ever considered a career in teaching? And I was like, no, not really, because I'm kind of quiet. And she was like, well, I think you'd be really good at it, specifically for social studies. Um, and for the rest of the year, she kind of like put that bug in my ear. And my love for social studies in general, and then my passion for like wanting people to be informed and be able to make choices based on how well they know our past and know our government and things like that kind of spurred me to want um, other students to have the same level of education that I did. Um, and I've always believed that like everyone deserves access to a proper education and I wanted to be part of that. Um, and so being in education allowed me to teach the things that I'm very passionate about and I've enjoyed it thus far. That's great. Um, do you feel like being a teacher is becoming a lot harder? Do I feel teaching is becoming harder? Well. I only have three years of experience under my belt, so I wouldn't say I would be the ideal person to ask, considering I started when all of the COVID situation started. So I technically only have one solid year of actual, like, normal, quote unquote, school. But compared to my first year where everything was new, I feel that right now even though i do have experience with the content with everything it is getting a lot harder there's just so many extra stuff being put on our plate and we are already being stretched out very very thin so yes i do feel that it is getting a little bit harder um i'm similar to miss gonzalez that it's like my first like full year being a teacher. I started last year, like smack in the middle of the year during the middle of the pandemic um, when I was teaching hybrid classes. So I would have like four kids in front of me and then 20 kids online, which was like not normal. I was expecting to have like 15 kids in front of me and no kids online. And that was not the case. Um, and so last year was hard for me because I like didn't see like my students faces ever. Um, and so this year, has definitely shown me like what it looks like to really be like a teacher, like full blown in person. And it's a hard job. And I think we are asked to do a lot um, throughout the course of the year. And, you know, when you're a first year teacher, you, this is like, I'm like, well, okay, like, I guess this is part of the job. But then when you have colleagues that have been here, um, you know, more than a year, they can say, this is what we've been asked to do in the past, or this is more than what we've been being told to do than previous years prior to the pandemic or even during the pandemic. So I think um, our job will evolve and ebb and flow over the year. And sometimes it'll be, you know, like, oh, like this is a normal routine or this is something that we've been asked to go above and beyond on that I normally would not 
even considered like doing in the first place because I already have my routine and procedure like put in place. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, yes. So like ultimately, yes, I think our jobs get more, more and more difficult. The more things we are asked to do that aren't what we're normally asked to do. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. And like, I, so this is my sixth year in education. I've taught four different grade levels um, and I've worked in three different schools. Three of those years were prior to the pandemic and the last three years have been mid pandemic. And I guess now we're heading towards like, I don't know if we're ending it, but like the after the, the, yeah, the endemic, the chaos of pandemic to endemic. Um, and I would say my first year was actually my easiest year being an educator. Um, it felt very natural to me and I was at a very supportive campus and I loved my little third grade class. Like they were just the cutest little kids. Um, and that year, I don't think prepared me for what the last two years have looked like because it was just so easy. From there, I transitioned to middle school and it was a little bit harder, but like there, it wasn't really any different than elementary school. And I've always taught social studies. So for me, like the, the content that I was teaching has never been difficult because for me, like that's my, that's my niche. Like that's where I'm most confident. And so I get to teach what I'm the best at and I enjoy it. Um, what is more difficult are the things that are extra. And that's where, like, I agree with Ms. Gonzalez and Ms. Mumford, like over the last six years, the amount of things that are unrelated to my teaching practice has exponentially increased and that has made the job harder. Um, and this could be anywhere from like administrative things to behavioral things, like in general, non-teaching stuff has made the job more difficult. And I love teaching, but the outside stuff is, it makes it hard for sure. Okay, so now for our third question, have you ever second guessed yourself in the career path you chose? If so, what do you wish you could be doing right now? Um, I wish we could see everyone's face right now. <laughs> I know this is only a voice recording, but our facial expressions say everything. Um, I've had several conversations with these two ladies in this uh, in this room right now about this particular things. Um, but even my first year, and I'm being completely honest, my first year was not as hard as my third year right now. And I was starting everything. Like I had to create my own content, do all of the things. And there have been days where I'm just like, I do not want to go to school tomorrow. I do not want to come back. It is Wednesday and I just want to put in my resignation and turn off my phone. Because that day was just really, really hard. Do I see myself doing something else? Nope. I've had also several conversations with my partner about that and he always suggests well why don't you go into accounting you're really good with numbers and i really am good with numbers and accounting could be a possibility but an office job just sounds so boring honestly (laughs) here every day is different and that's what just that's what i love about teaching i don't see the same kids every single day and that's what kind of makes it exciting because i have one group today and one group another day but I, even on my hardest days, I'm still going to come back because I love every single one of them. And to conclude, yeah, no, I don't see myself doing anything else. Well, um, 
I've had a lot of like, I mean, y'all like it's literally my first like full year being a teacher. Like I, I think I've also had multiple conversations like with Miss Gonzalez and Miss Dupont about like I, it's it's my last week or like I remember at Christmas break being like this We're is not it. Coming back. I'm not coming, We're back. not coming back. It's not it's not happening. Like, well, it won't be me, but. Um, and I have a lot of experience in retail and in management specifically. Um, so like I could technically like quit my job teaching and go do a management job somewhere or do like a management consulting job somewhere and like make a killing. Like it would be awesome to do that. But again, like what Ms. Gonzalez said, like she really kind of hit, like hit the nail on the head. I love y'all. Like I love the kids. Um, and that's what keeps me coming back every single day, despite how terribly sometimes y'all behave. Um, like it Where really, um, whatever. like, come on. They know sometimes too, that they like, they're like, Ooh, that probably wasn't the nicest thing to say. To everyone, mother. everyone in here is agreeing. Yeah. We can't, we can't see your face, yeah. but everyone's agreeing, nodding our heads. Like I know for a fact, yes. Like I could totally see myself like in a management role or in a consulting role, but I want to stick this out and see how well I can do as a teacher. And like, I've grown incredibly from like last April, like till now. I mean, it's it like this job like refines people in ways that you like will never understand if you're not a teacher um, or a student watching a teacher grow. Um, so, I mean, like in my wildest dreams, would I love to get married and my husband pat me on the head and say, if you want to keep teaching for fun, go for it, girl. But like, <laughs> I also like, I, I love to work. So to me, like, I'm going to stay at this job and like stay in this career path for the foreseeable future. Um, but I have like no desire to change my job at the moment. So to conclude, we are going to come back next week. Yeah, we'll be back next week for sure. We're coming back. After spring break, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. <laughs> um, I think I would be lying if I said I've never second-guessed myself. I think any teacher would be lying mm -hmm. if they said they never second-guessed themselves. I'm pretty sure every teacher second-guesses themselves at least once a day. Yeah. Like that That's pretty common because you're constantly in front. Like your job is to serve people, and you are constantly being evaluated whether it's by your students or your supervisor and so i think i live my life second guessing myself nine times out of ten mm -hmm. um i like i've said before i love to teach and i love what i teach this year has been really hard and so that's created a lot of frustration um for me to figure out like am i willing to still do what i love and do the things that i don't like to do um, because like Ms. Mumford said, like we could move into other jobs. Um, but to be honest, I don't know what else I would do. Like I never thought about what my job would look like if I wasn't teaching. Um, so I don't, I don't know what I would be doing instead, but I do enjoy what I do. And I love my, I love my job and my subject and, um, I will be here. <laughs> I will still be here. For our last question, um, what's a message you would like to give to your students? Um, I want my students to know that regardless of how much I am hard on you, um, I love you more than you will ever understand. And I only want the best for you 
when you leave. I know. Oh don't make gosh. me cry. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't think emotional. that my students will be able to encompass like how much I care for them. And it's hard to say that. Like, I don't know how to say that to them every day, but like, like just know that I am in your corner forever. And okay, gotta stop. Miss um, to Memphis. I know, I know. No. Oh. I, I love you and I am in your corner and I will be here for you as long as I can be. Um, and just remember, like, even on your hard days when you feel like the world's against you, like, we just want the best for you and we want you to be successful and to make it in this world. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I don't even know what to say. Oh, oh, I, okay, here, I got it, I got it. Um, oh, I'm gonna try also not to cry. Um, I think a, like one big thing is that like education is great and like your knowledge and what you learn here is amazing, but it will never like truly save you. Um, like college will not save you. Like college never saved me. Like um, it helped me for sure, but it never saved me from like getting away from home because guess what? I went to school for four years away from home and then I came right back home. Um, like that will never be your saving grace in life. Um, and like what Ms. DuPont said, I really love every single last one of my students, even the ones that like curse me out and call me a, a you know Yeah, we what. love those too. I really do because I laugh at y'all later, but like, I mean, I, we only have one minute. So like truly like teachers have this like deep, deep love. And like, I, I mean, like I'm not married, but like I literally treat you guys like you were one of my own kids mm -hmm. um, because y'all are. And like, I like hope that y'all would think of me when you graduate is like the cool older sister that you have. Cause like, that's what I want to be for y'all. Um, I prefer to be the mom. Yeah. I want to be <laughs> cool big sister, but Ms. DuPont can be mom. And like my phone number, well, the moment you graduate will be available to everybody. Like my Instagram, even though I don't use it, available to everybody. Like y'all, I want you to like stay connected to us because we care about y'all so, so deeply. Okay, that's it. I, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Just because like they summed up everything that I could have possibly said. Like my for me, I know I can be a little stern and it can be, and it can come off as like tough love or like your Hispanic mom, like you see her every day at home and now you have her here for 90 minutes in front of you. I know it's frustrating, <laughs> but like we really, really, really do love every single one of you. Even the ones that give us the most headaches, those are the ones that need the most and extra love. And... <laughs> We just love you guys no matter what and that's all i can say because like they already stole all the words out of my mouth like <laughs> i have nothing else to say well thank you guys for joining us on our podcast of we appreciate course. you being a part of our panel so thank you to miss gonzalez and miss mumford for joining us this week and i believe we are now on to a rally with the spooky story So for today's spooky story, we'll be talking about one of the most historic legends, best known as Duendes. Chanakis is the real name behind these little goblins, and it's how people best recognize them. Chanakis are no saints. They have a reputation of hiding slash stealing things and luring slash trapping children in the forest. This legend doesn't just take place in one state of Mexico, but also Veracruz, Tabasco, and Chiapas. 
Many have claimed to have seen chanakas before with many descriptions, the first one being little people who have their feet backwards and a deformed body. They have a tail and a lack of an ear. The second one is dwarfs with the face of children who make movements and emit a childish voice, evidently having an aged face. The third description is that they're simply just kids that are troublemakers who throw rocks at people, pull animals' tails, throw kitchen supplies, and bother slash scare animals. On the bright side, there's two types of chanakis, the kind, one, the kind ones and the bad ones. The kind ones greet people. The bad ones hide inside their caves and rivers. The kind ones are still troublemakers, but they only do harmless pranks and leave people alone eventually. Unlike the bad ones, if you bother or don't listen to them, they will curse you with a spiritual sickness where you lose appetite and strength. The only way to get rid of this curse is to revisit them and ask for forgiveness by bringing them gifts. In the end, Chanakas are believed to be just little dwarves who cause trouble, which is why many don't fear them. They mainly target children, so a few tips and tricks could be putting their clothes backwards, using a deer's eye or necklace made out of nuts. If the Chanakas are inside your home, just leave them candy or fruit and they will eventually leave. Do you believe this historic legend? Let us know. Now on to the closing. Take it away, Samantha. That concludes today's podcast. Thank you to our sponsor, Ms. Griffin, and to today's guests for coming. Next episode, we are going to talk about Russia and Ukraine. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.